0: Good morning to each of you. Good morning. Thank you for thank you again for having my family and I and, and my parents here this morning. It is, our, it is our pleasure to be here. Will you open the Word of God this morning to the first epistle to Timothy? First Timothy one and sixteen. And the title of this morning's message is, is part one. It'll be a three-part series, Paul an example for us. Here, the Word of God, the Word of the living and the true God, reads in 1 Timothy 1.16, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. The Apostle Paul one of the greatest men of God to ever walk this earth. Arguably, save the Lord Christ alone, the greatest. He is the one, he is the man who the Lord gave the words to for 14 of the new, uh, of the books of the New Testament. We learn many truths by the words that he spake, the, the Lord gi- giving him those words. Here, Paul explains that he is an example to those who should hereafter. Believe on the Lord Christ, believe on Him to life everlasting. Let let us examine, this will be the first part of us examining His life to see how it is a pattern. But first, before we can get there, let us understand what it is that He is saying. How be it? We don't use that term very often anymore. This term, this Greek term is translated, but or nevertheless. Nevertheless. Five hundred and eighty three of the six hundred and thirty seven times it is found in the New Testament. So far away it is rendered it is rendered that way. Thank you very much. And I don't I don't tell you that to change the translation, I tell you that so that we understand how how be it was used. How 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 be it uh, was used in, in the language that the King James translators were writing in. Because we don't we don't speak. In the same way that they did some several hundred years ago, howbeit, or but, or nevertheless, for this cause, or we might say reason, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Now, this is obtained mercy is one Greek term, and it is translated obtained mercy eight times, but it is translated the other twenty-three times as something that makes it clear because it appears that Paul was active. In receiving mercy. It appears that he did something to receive this mercy, but that is not what this word that is not all that this word entails. The other twenty-three times that this term is used in the New Testament, it is clear that the recipient of the mercy was passive in the giving of mercy. The one that I that I deemed most clear is in Romans chapter nine. Will you turn there turn there with me? We see it used a few times here in Romans chapter nine. Romans 9, beginning in verse 15. Now, you you remember many times that that the blind came to Christ asking, Lord, have mercy on me. The Lord could have chosen not to. But it is he that still granted that mercy. It is he who had mercy on whom he will have mercy. Here in verse 15, we see see that being discussed. For he saith to Moses, this is making a citation of the Old Testament, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will compassion. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God chooses whom he will have mercy and compassion on. It is nothing that is demanded by the recipient. We cannot demand grace from our Lord God. Otherwise, grace would be no more grace. 16. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It is not of what we desire. It is not of the creature that desires a certain thing, nor it is, it is of the creature that does a certain thing, but of God that shows mercy. Is, that is how mercy comes about. For the scripture saith, again, always referring to thus it is written, always referring to what has been written. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 9. Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared or proclaimed throughout all the earth. Why did God raise up Pharaoh? To do exactly what he did to Pharaoh. Destroy him. That his name might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. That was his purpose in raising up Pharaoh. To destroy him. Why did Rahab know about what happened? To Pharaoh, why did Rahab know that Jericho had been given to the people of Israel? Because God's name had been proclaimed. They had heard what God had done unto the Egyptians. And she knew that Jericho had been given to the Israelites. That is the the, uh, Old Testament proof of what what Paul is, is getting at. Therefore, because of that, because God is sovereign in that way, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will... He hardened. God is the one who has mercy and it is not anything to do uh, with the recipient of that mercy. Just so we understand what is what we're being told here in 1 Timothy 1:16. 1 Paul received mercy, but he did in no way obtain that by his own works or by his own desire. He was given mercy by our Lord God and that Jesus Christ he has obtained or received mercy that in me, in Paul, first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. We we would substitute the term patience, but in the scriptures patience is most often used for situations. Patience in a situation, long suffering for people. That Christ might show all patience toward a person, towards his people, long suffering for a pattern, for a pattern. The other times that this term is used, it is rendered form or mold, uh, or, or that is what it is referring to, a mold, a form. He is a pattern. He is an example unto us, and a pattern for them which should hereafter, which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. This is the same term rendered into, and it's the most often rendered into, we don't believe to receive Everlasting life, we are given that as a free gift—the gift of everlasting life. Come to Rome, back to back to the Epistle of Romans, chapter six, and we'll we'll see that very thing. That the gift of eternal life is a free gift given unto us. Romans six and twenty-three: for the wages of sin is death. You know that that's what sin earns, even in the child of God. The sin, the sin that we still commit as a born again child of God. The only thing that it earns is death. Wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the only. That is the only way that eternal life is given, is through Jesus Christ. He believed into Jesus Christ, and and uh, He is the giver of that eternal life. He purchased that eternal life for us. It is not again just as. Noted under the obtained mercy, it isn't something that he worked for. It is something that is given unto us as a free gift of God. So, what does he mean by an example? We have to examine his life because that's what he's referring to. Paul, his life, is an example unto us who should believe hereafter. Who should hereafter believe on Christ? That is us. We are hereafter. Paul has long since since gone to be with the Lord. So let us begin examining his life. Come to to Acts. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 and and verse 9 is where I, I go here first so that we may understand who it is that's being spoken of in all the passages that we're about to look to. Acts chapter 13 and verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul. The Apostle Paul was born Saul of Tarsus. That is his Hebrew name. His Hebrew name is Saul, just like King Saul. It's the same Hebrew. It's the same Hebrew in, uh, for King Saul. And what does what does that mean? Come to First Samuel, where we see Saul was given this name for a reason. You've noted throughout the Scriptures, no doubt in your own reading, and been been told before, many Hebrew names had a meaning behind them. We were given a name many times just because it's what our parents liked. Esau was named Esau because he was red. and That's what, that's what Esau is referring to, red and hairy. Jacob, Yaakov in Hebrew, was heel grabber because he came out grabbing the heels of Esau. He was a heel grabber or trickster. And We know that he fulfilled that name when he tricked his father into thinking that he was Esau because his father was blind. I use that as an example of, of here. This is what Saul means, First, First Samuel 9 and 2. And he, that is Kish, had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And he was good looking, he was handsome. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he, a more handsome person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Saul means choice or desired or goodly, handsome. He was good looking and he was very tall. He was something to be desired. The people desired a king. They wanted to be like the nations around them. And that is what they got in Saul, a wicked, a wicked king, but a king, a, a, a handsome, a good looking king, a a king to be desired nonetheless. That is what Saul of Tarsus, that is what his name means also, a, a handsome fellow. Good looking. This is our Saul of Tarsus. That is what what he was born as. Come to uh, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Saul was born Saul of Tarsus. Now we begin to see Saul as a youth. He describes his youth here as being a devout Jew. Saul 26, or excuse me, Acts 26 and verse 4. My manner of life. This is before uh, before King Agrippa. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul is, is stating, From my upbringing, I was a Jew, because he's being accused of, of uh, departing from the teaching of Moses. He's being, he's being accused of departing of the, of the traditions of his fathers. And he is departing from the traditions of his fathers and, and getting in line with the word of God. And people, the Jews did not like that in his day. But he's saying, I, I grew up, I knew all of those things. I was a devout Jew from my youth. I was of the most narrow sect, the straightest sect. The most narrow sect, the Pharisees. We walked in those traditions. We enforced those traditions. He knew what they what they were getting at. He understood those very things, and he was raised that way from his youth. Come to Philippians chapter three. He further describes his his upbringing here as uh, as Saul the Pharisee. Philippians three and verse four. Though I might also have confidence, he is saying. He is saying in verse three uh, that we—he's referring to himself and Timothy, who are the who are the writers of this epistle. He is not talking about we Christians are the true circumcision. He is saying that he and Timothy, who was a Jew, Acts chapter sixteen, because his mother was a Jewess, Paul had him circumcised. Timothy was a Jew. We, him, and Timothy, are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, as opposed to the Judaizers who said, you must be circumcised before you can be saved, trying to intermingle Moses and the new covenant. The new covenant and Moses have nothing in common. The, the old covenant was to show us our, our, our it showed us many, many things, but it is not a way of salvation. The law is a curse. We cannot keep it. So mingling those two together was to make grace, no more grace. It was a gospel that was not another gospel, but yet another one. It was not one of the same, not one of the same kind, but one of a heteros, different kind. Not one of the same kind, a completely different gospel is what the Galatians had gone after. Those Judaizers that tried to mingle those things did not have the same understanding of the Word of God as the Apostle Paul. And here he is saying to the Philippians, don't follow them. Follow if you're gonna follow a Jew, follow me and Timothy. We are the circumcision, we put no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man if any other man thinketh that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh I more. If anybody's gonna trust in the flesh, it ought to be the apostle Paul, yet he says I won't, because I have nothing to boast of. Yet he's gonna give his pedigree. And his pedigree is great if God cared about pedigrees. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, just in line with the Abraham, with the, uh, the Mosaic law and, and pulled over from the tradition of Abraham. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was the, the, the cream of the crop, the peak, the, the creme de la creme, if you would. If you would. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee. He was every, he he was, he he checked all the boxes. Concerning zeal. Concerning zeal of being a Jew that followed the traditions of their fathers, persecuting the church. That was the greatest thing that that they saw because they saw the church as an enemy. They saw the church of the Lord Christ as an enemy. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless before men, not before God. There's not a single one of us that can claim that before God, but before men, touching the law, he was blameless. He was a great man; all the people loved him. He was desired, goodly, one to be desired. He was. He was. Uh, he had exceeded far above all of his peers, as we'll as we'll see in uh, in the Epistle to the Galatians, come there, chapter one, and verse thirteen. For ye have heard of my conversation, my conduct, my manner, my manner of life, my way of life, and time passed in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, destroyed it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals. His peers, those that were his age, he, was, he had far exceeded them. He was doing great things in their eyes. He, he was desired of men. They wanted, they wanted him, and he profited. He did much better than, than those that were his own age, his equals. In mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous not of the law of God, not of the word of God, but of the traditions of his fathers. This is Paul, the Pharise- Saul, the Pharisee. This is what he was like. Don't we make note that he makes no boast of these things. He is giving an example. He is showing us what he was like beforehand. What he was like beforehand. This is is what Saul of Tarsus was like before meeting the Lord Christ. Come to Acts twenty-two. We continue seeing all that he was. Acts twenty-two, in verse one. Men, brethren, and fathers, Paul here is giving a testimony before the Jews. Hear ye my defense, which I make unto you now. Make now unto you. And when they had heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, he's speaking in Hebrew to Jews, because the Jews were throwing a fit, that uh, throwing a fit at him. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner. Notice again, he never says that he, that he followed the law of God that he never never says he followed the word of God, followed the law of the fathers, the traditions. Always keep that in mind. And was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way, those that were in the way, those that followed the way, those that followed Christ. He persecuted those that were this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. What, what, according to them, would have been marvelous things. He considers now heinous. He can't believe that that's what he did. But he's showing them, I was zealous for what you guys are zealous for. And my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened. And we'll we'll, we'll get there. It It won't be in this message. But you keep that in mind. We know all that the Apostle Paul did. Keep that in mind as we read how he describes himself. Who, why did he exceed above all of his equals, above all of those that were his age? Well, a man isn't greater than his teacher. He says here that he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Who is Gamaliel? Come to Acts chapter 5. I don't know if he's a saved man, but he was wise nonetheless. Very, a very wise man. Uh, according, to, uh, according to what he did here in Acts chapter 5, and verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart, and took counsel to slay them, the disciples, the, the apostles. Then stood there up in the in one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamelia, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Take them away from us a little bit that we may counsel in private. And said unto them, the Pharisees, ye men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. You need to think twice. For before these days rose up Thutius, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. They were brought to nothing. Thutius, who who, uh, said that he was somebody, said that he was a great man, maybe he even said he was the Christ. Obviously a false Christ. His movement came to nothing. His, his followers were scattered. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men. Don't mess with them. And let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, if what they're doing be of men, it will come to nothing. It will come to naught. God won't allow it to be accomplished. But, if it be of God, he cannot overthrow it. Right. Lest, or to prevent, happily he be found even to fight against God. They did not take his counsel, by the way. They continued to persecute the Lord's church. They did not, they did not accept his, hey, you need to back off because if this is of God, you're going to be in a load of trouble they didn't listen they didn't uh, they acted like they listened they, they they beat the apostles there and sent them sent them away saying don't preach in his name any longer the apostles can count themselves worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake there in verse 41 there that is the the uh, the feet the feet of Gamaliel which Paul was raised under that is who he learned from a wise teacher uh, a wise teacher in any regard Saul was also a murderer. He was a murderer. Come to Acts chapter Acts chapter 6, and verse 9. This begins the context of what we will look at in the next chapters. Verse 9, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and, uh, and Alexandrians, and of, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen, the deacon Stephen. That begins the context. 7, and verse 1, Then said the high priest, Are these things so... Stephen's really giving it to him. He's taking them to task over, over the scriptures. They're the ones who claim that they know. Oh, we're, we've been educated. We've been to seminary. We've been, we've been taught by the elders. We know the traditions of the fathers. Stephen is really taking it to him because he's an, un, he's an unlearned man, just as the other apostles were, and they were offended. Are these things so? He said, Stephen said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Caron. He then takes them, Abraham, through Moses, through, through the time in the wilderness. Come to the end of this chapter, verse 55. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, he takes them all the way through that. All the way through all of that to show Christ is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now Christ isn't sitting there because he's getting ready to receive Stephen. Christ knows what's about to happen. Stephen knows what's about to happen, that he is about to be stoned to death. Christ is getting ready to receive Stephen into heaven. And and then they cried out. La, 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 we don't want to hear you. Notice they stuffed their ears also. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. We don't want to listen to what you have to say. We We can't handle the arguments. We can't handle that you understand the scriptures better than you, so there's no other way than to put you to death. They drown him out with their crying and they stop their ears so, they, so that they don't hear him any longer. And they ran upon him with one accord. They all had a singleness of heart. Many churches need to understand we need a singleness of heart also to serve the Lord God. Many times we're exhorted for that. Here, the wicked are of one accord. Are of one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. Notice who they laid their clothes down at. Whose name was Saul whose name was Saul why did they lay his clothes down at Saul's feet he's the one who ordered it he is the one who said stone this man he is the one who was in charge of that stoning that and they stoned Stephen calling upon God Stephen was calling upon God saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit and he met and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice lay not this sin to their charge and when he said this he fell asleep he died He died from that stoning. And just in case you wanted a a confirmation, look at 9-1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. He was the one who who, who caused that to happen, who allowed it to happen. He's the one who could have said no. But he allowed it to happen. He was the one in charge there. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. There was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing, that is that is dragging, dragging both men and women, committed them to prison, putting them in prison for the testimony of the Lord Christ, that they followed the Lord Jesus and did not follow the, the the teachings of the elders, the traditions of their fathers, whatever the commandments of men, whatever you want to call it, that is what Saul was. That is that is the man who is told, has told us that he is a pattern for us. That is those are the things that he committed. He is a he is a murderer. He was a Pharisee. He was one who taught against the Lord. And notice notice the deacon Stephen's prayer. In verse sixty of chapter seven, and when uh, Lord lay not this sin to their charge. You remember somebody else that prayed like that before they died? Yes. The Lord Christ. Amen. The Lord Christ prayed prayed uh, a very similar prayer in Luke twenty three. Come come there. I'd like for like for us to see that twenty three in verse thirty four. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. There the Lord Christ, as he's he's being nailed to the cross, and also down in verse 47. Now in the centurion, we see the result of that prayer. The centurion saw what was done, and he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. He had his eyes open. Mark 1539. He makes it even more explicit he makes an even more explicit uh, confession. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he, he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, th- this man was the son of God. That, that prayer was answered that the, Lord, that the Lord asked, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen's prayer was answered also. Saul was consented to that, to that murder. Because there was no reason that Stephen needed to be put to death. They just didn't like him. They couldn't, they couldn't handle the arguments. So they said, we need to get rid of him. Just like they said about the Lord Christ. We can't handle the arguments. So we've got we to kill him. That's the only answer. That is where the wicked run to. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Always, always remember that. We, see that. we see that in our day. Saul, being a murderer, would, would come to understand that murderers, among others, Come to Revelation chapter 21. And just so we know where where murder falls, among other things, in the eyes of the Lord. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, the full of fear and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part and the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Notice the fearful and all of the unbelieving. Unbelief is considered to, there to be equivalent with murder and mongering whores and sorceries and, uh, and abominable works and being full of fear. Christ died for those things, for his people, all of them including the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul would come to understand that what he had done was a great wrong and that the Lord Christ had paid for that. That the Lord Christ paid for that for all of us. We were guilty of, no doubt, at least lying. All liars. But we're not considered those things anymore. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 has a very similar list of those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I'm thankful that it doesn't just end with that list. Because then Paul tells them, such were some of you. He himself was one of those. But he was washed. But he was sanctified. But he was justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Saul. This is what Saul was. This is part of his example for us. Something, Something for us to keep in mind. We will continue to go through Paul's example. Paul's example that he has left for us in, a, in future messages, it'll be at, at least three. The, the Apostle Paul, here we saw him as Saul, the youth, being raised as a devout Jew, in the, in the traditions of his fathers. Saul, the Pharisee, who became an expert in the traditions of the elders and the traditions, the commandments of men. And Saul, the murderer, who instead of discussing, like a, like a civil man, decided to put to death the deacon Stephen because he couldn't he couldn't handle the argument, because he didn't like what the deacon Stephen had to say it went against what he had been taught it went against all that he knew he was not always the great man of God that we know him as today we know what he would become and we know why it is and we'll examine that in the future he was only that by the grace and mercy of our Lord God and our Christ we know all that he would do but it is good for us to see where it is that he, was, that he was taken from. The road that he was on had he been left to himself. Where he was headed. All changed. All changed on the road to Damascus. We'll, we'll, we'll continue that. Maybe, maybe tonight, maybe, maybe this Sunday. Maybe the next Sunday, the next Lord's Day that I'm here. He was a great enemy of Christians. But an elect of God. God was pleased to open his eyes at the time, at the fullness of time, when he was pleased to, the the God that separated him from his mother's womb would also open his eyes at the proper time. And we're thankful that this is the example that that the Apostle Paul has left us for all those that should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Let's bow before our God and thank him for this example that he has left for us. Our Father and our God, we thank